Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. As a mom, vegan of 20 years, and entrepreneur, I need a lot of energy. And I turned to Athletic Greens to help me out. Athletic Greens is part of the daily nutrition regimen for thousands of top performers, professional athletes, and health-conscious go-getters worldwide, including USA cycling and endurance athletes. So I knew I would trust them. It's developed from a complex blend of 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced ingredients. And it's a comprehensive all-in-one greens powder engineered to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet and support your body's nutritional needs across the four pillars of health, gut health, immune system, energy, and recovery. And these are all things that I'm super interested in. I put a scoop in my smoothie in the morning, and it feels amazing to know that I'm set up to feel my best and sustain my energy all day long. Try for yourself at athleticgreens.com slash lit yoga. That's athleticgreens.com slash lit yoga and get lit up. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you ask the questions and we answer. I am joined, as always, by my lovely and fearless co-host, Kristen Williams. Hey, Laura. Hey, everybody. So glad to be here. All right. So our friend Fabi, whose Instagram is Yoga Room, R-U-U-M, says, I don't have problems with my knees, but every time I come down from plank into Chaturanga and turn my toes, and she's talking about going into upward facing dog, my knees are popping. It's mainly like my kneecap tries to come into the right position. Any thoughts? Thank you. So she did send me a video and it was from the side, which was, and in yoga pants. So there really wasn't much to see by way of what might be happening at the knees. There wasn't anything unusual at the foot. So what is your first thought with that one, Laura? I have heard of that before. Um, I've even actually literally audibly heard of that um, when people are doing that. And so, you know, you're, when you come into up dog, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's essentially like a cobra, but you're off the ground and you're on the tops of the feet, the ankle, the ankles are in plantar flexion. So you're getting this very long um, fascial stretch on that anterior side of the leg. And my thought is that when you extend the knees and you're on in that plantar flexion and then you're trying to hold the bowl of the pelvis 
steady, you're really getting a lot of kind of an extension feeling in, in that whole front line. And so I would say if, it, if it's clicking or making noise and there's no pain, that's always, you know, what we're aiming for. I would just think there's some kind of fascial um, noise that's happening and, and it's getting realigned in whatever, and that could be like micro amount, but, or it could just be pulling on it and it's making a little bit of a noise because that's not a, a movement that we do in daily life very much at all, where we have that um, knee extended, hip extended, and ankle extended. That's actually called triple extension. It's the opposite of the triple flexion. So that would be my gut is that if it doesn't hurt and that's just happening, it's probably just a counter move to how you're mostly being in life, which is like many people flex at the hip, flex at the knee. Yeah. And that's my thought too, uh, especially whenever people say something's popping, but there's no pain, I'm much less inclined to I, worry about it. Now, you know, she does report feeling like the kneecap is shifting. So, you know, she, she could very well be having, she might just have an, uh, a little bit, I don't want to call it instability, but um, hypermobility and very common um, in females, especially, you know, I would also be curious. And, and I did ask her to send me a video from like behind so we could see what are her feet doing? You know, is she, are her legs too close together? So then she's getting that IT band pull when she lifts up and it pulls that out. So, you know, thinking about where might the knee, the, if she brings her feet a little further apart, would that help? If she's, we call that sickling, you know, in dance, are her toes turned in? So is she getting a funny pull? Same thing what you're saying, that front fascial line is getting a, a pull on it that is affecting that, you know, that kneecap, it sits in a groove of your femur and it really just wants to slide superior and inferior. When we start getting that medial lateral slippage, it's an indication that something weird is going on, usually above or below. And especially with that IT band, that lateral tightness. I know for me, like maybe not up dog per se, but um, locust, my legs do not, I remember the big cue, bring your legs together. That felt terrible because it was just too much tension across that anterior line, my, my IT band. It felt like my kneecaps wanted to, yeah, go boing <laughs> out to the side. So I just keep my legs nice in line with my uh, hips. So she, she, she did not get a chance to send me that video, but that would have, would have been my one thing that I would be looking for. I agree. I totally agree that we don't want instability in the knee if there's like a real slippage. And also the angle of the femur to the knee with women, that is a, a bigger angle. And, and, and in some women, it's even, you know, to the point where it does lend itself to some knee instability. Um, so watching how far in her knees are compared to her hips, in addition to, like you said, where her feet are in compared to the hips. So once those structures are, you know, in a more optimal alignment, if that was not, was the issue, um, if that, clicking still happens, that just, again, might be that adjustment. So get back to us on that, Fabi. Um, this is from Deborah Kasserer. Hope all is well. I have a Wednesday podcast question. While practicing meditation, my mid-back hurts really bad, specifically the space under the shoulder blades near the upper ribs. Which of your classes online do you suggest I try to strengthen the section of the back? I'm guessing my sitting all day at work as a CPA contributes to my poor posture and back aches, back aches while meditating. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think definitely. It's funny. Ever, 
um, especially knowing she's a CPA, that was, I'm glad she gave us that background information because I can, if I'm not sitting at my computer all day, I can go throughout, I mean, days, weeks, months with never feeling a thing between my back. If I go and sit at my computer all day long, I'll get the weirdest like numbness, tingling sensation. She's complaining of it, you know, right there kind of below the shoulder blades. Um, and then I also wonder, is she then meditating in a seated position? So my probably. first recommendation, yes, probably because that's what everybody does. That's where, that's the way we think we should meditate, like in lotus pose or something, you know, <laughs> which let that go. My first recommendation for you would be meditate in another position because you're spending all day there anyway. Go for a walk and meditate um, or, you know, lie down and meditate. That's my favorite way. And I'm not a big meditator, but when I do, I like to be almost in a Shavasana and just, because like, then I can really just settle in and, and, and listen to my breath and, and focus because I too get distracted by sensations in my, in my trunk from holding that seated position. Now that is, does tell me like, maybe Kristen, you need to do that more. But when I'm meditating, my focus is elsewhere. I'm trying to get out of my brain versus letting that, those little things niggle at me. What about you, Laura? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that changing positions when you're meditating, that you're not just doing the same thing you've been doing all day. And yeah, may, and, and know that meditation is the, the attempt to just clear the clutter from the brain. So if you're getting these distractions that the sensations of your body, I know some meditation teachers tell you to like, you know, not get straight or um, pulled away from those distractions. Um, but I do think it's like, you know, we have so much distractions already. We, we well, Let's just help ourselves clear them away. So that would be my first thing. And then in answer to your question about, you know, classes on the our Lit Daily, I mean, pretty much any class is going to get you more balanced. But there are, we have a, a filter where you can, look up something for the shoulders, the T-spine. It sounds like the T-spine is an area, that's your thoracic spine. That's an area that might need some extra love. And because if you're rounding at your desk, uh, your shoulders are probably coming forward and your head's moving forward. And then that strain, you know, I, I, it's always like, I always say it's like reins, you know, like the reins on a, on a horse or something that's trying to pull you back into a more stacked alignment because that's less um, that's less of a burden on your body, on the tissues and and the muscles and the fascia. So really working toward getting that T-spine more aligned and getting the strength in those back muscles, in the scapular muscles, but also in the muscles that run up and down the spine, they tend to be really rigid, but they don't necessarily, necessarily be strong. Um, and then working on your neutral pelvis, your hips. So everything we do, but I would say take a look at the postural series and then just type in uh, thoracic spine or shoulders to kind of hit those areas a little bit more for strengthening and alignment. Yeah, I just actually pulled it up and we have it. Um, if you look, our, fil our filters are now available to you like right there in your face. And so if you look under category and you kind of got to scroll down, but it says it's, it's called upper back. So we have upper back. And then I would also do some of the fascia uh, would be a good one too. Fascia stretch and upper back would be three good uh, sources of, uh, you know, places to choose from on the Lit Daily. I I agree. So Deborah, I hope that helps you and follow up with us. Let us know if you've tried one of those and, and you know it helps. All right. 
Let's go to another one. Um, this is, we've got a bunch in here. Okay, this is from um, Lat, Latin Ann. And she said, I would love to know the impact of overactive TFL. This would be super interesting. Well, so for most people who don't know what the TFL is, that stands for tensor fascia lata. It is a muscle in the side of your hip, side in front. It's one of my favorite muscles because um, I was a sprinter in high school and college. And this was a muscle when, when sprinters started wearing, female sprinters especially, started wearing more of like the bloomers, the the you know, the underwear, more looking type of thing. It was this muscle that just pops out at you. It looks like gorgeous. A oh, yeah. I love gorgeous. it. It's yeah. just so beautiful. And it, so what it is, is it's the top of your IT band. It's, it's actually the, the muscle that the IT band, we consider the tendon. Now the, the IT band has a greater role than just being the tendon of the tensor fascia lata, but it's right there at the top. And so the main role of that muscle is to flex and abduct the leg. So it's huge. You can understand why would a sprinter have a big, you know, because they're powering those legs. It's a, you know, it, it is, is attached to the IT band, which the IT band has all the muscles of the leg that are basically dragging that leg forward. We're, we're biped, you know, we're bipedal. So we've got this beautiful long piece of uh, connective tissue, this um, this tendon, for lack of a better term, that is pulling the leg forward. So you have a sprinter who is repeatedly just driving and going, so it just gets nice and developed. So, you know, somebody who is overusing that, we see this a lot in people who are weak in more of the posterolateral or lateral hip. So I'm thinking of someone who comes to me and I lie them on their side and I just do a traditional manual muscle test. So a manual muscle test is just to look at someone's strength. And I say, can you lift your leg up in the air? They're lying on their side and they automatically bring it forward and lift it. They recruit their hip flexor, including the rectus femoris, but that tensor fascia lata because they are weak and really are out of tune with their lateral gluteus medius minimus and even glute max. So they're like, yeah, you know, you cannot push them down. And I say, okay, well, let me pull your leg back in line with the body. And it's like, whoop, they go right down. So that is what I see clinically most often is, you know, it's, it's, we tend to use that because it's, it's, you know, everything in the front body as a rule, kind of a rule of thumb, we tend to overuse what's in the front body and underuse what's in the back body. This is more of a Western civilization issue, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think her question was overuse of the TFL, right? You know, or, how- oh, yeah, overactive, which I really appreciate she said that because um, it gives us an idea of like the neurological impulse to use a muscle more readily. And that becomes like more of a habitual hardwired thing. So it's overactive doesn't always mean it's strong. <laughs> um, you know, that's the thing that's kind of interesting but it just means that it has been chosen to do more of the work. And in doing that, it might not be strong because it's not really meant to, it's not meant to be as much of a hip stabilizer like the glute medius. So just because it's trying to kick in and do it, sometimes that can make it overactive, but it's not doing it, it's not performing it. You know, it's like me trying to sing. I can sing, but I'm not a good singer, right? Um, So it's like, the, I can produce it, but 
I should really stay in my lane a little bit more. I'm a good mover. And so the TFL is like that being a bad singer. It's really not able to do the work that it's meant to do. Like you're talking about like driving when you're um, driving those hips, when you're in flexion, when you're sprinting, that's really, that's when you get that nice little poppy, um, that muscle popping overactive in this sense, probably that you're referring to is not necessarily that strong one. It's just, it's doing a job that's not really um, carved out to do well. Due to the underactivity of the glute. And due to the anterior tilt of the pelvis, again, this like when your bones are set up, they are set, you know, whatever position you're in, the scaffolding is going to dictate, uh, its form dictates function. It's going to dictate what muscle is chosen to perform. So if you're tilting forward, your glute, your glute max is kind of put on stretch. It becomes quite lazy and really hard to activate because it's not in a good position to extend. Um, and similarly, the glute medius is also, it becomes a lot easier to get sassy with the pelvis and kind of hang out. And that's when you know the glute medius is not doing its job to really control that movement in when we're on one leg, walking or, or standing even, people will hang out there. So I think overactive TFL, um, what it could lead to is IT band syndrome. Because usually if you're trying to overuse it, it's in this, it's, it's, cry, it's trying to do again, it's trying to sing and it's not meant to sing. So you're hanging out on it. It's like, it's firing, but it's not firing well. And that strain goes down. It's almost like a violin string that's getting pressed on too much. Um, and so I think that's what I would say is the big, beyond just a weak glute medius, is that it really can lead to, um, for runners, for instance, IT band syndrome. The IT band syndrome is almost always resulting from poor mechanics of the hip, poor hip stability, and then just hanging more laterally um, because the you know the glutes aren't performing their job. And I agree with you about the pelvis too. That anterior tilt of the pelvis is really shifting that axis towards that more hip flexor bias. So if you can neutralize the pelvis, you're going to you're going to take the demand off of that overactive and then you your body will naturally start to draw on some of the less utilized muscles. Yeah, and the um TFL also has a little uh internal rotation component. So when people are like say they're marching, if you were going to test your hip flexor strength and pelvis stability, if you tend to really pull that hip up and and roll it in, you're probably just trying to recruit the TFL versus some of the you know, the rectus and the iliopsoas, which are going to get you up to a higher, like full range of hip flexion. So when people don't have active full range um, hip flexion, which many people don't, they're really trying to get it up using that TFL more. And again, at a certain point, it's, it's not really made to get into that in range as much as helping being helped out with the other muscles of, of the hip. So balance it all out, people. That's That's kind of the rule of thumb. All right, Danielle Winter, I'm curious to know whether it's safe to do lit style core doing pregnancy first trimester. Well, I'll start off. I'll, I'll say, first of all, it always depends, right? It depends on a lot of things. Um, a, have you been cleared? Like, have you had any issues? Have you had trouble? Is this like your fourth pregnancy and you've miscarried? You know, not that miscarriage would have been from that, but mentally, I think you're going to be more feel, feeling more vulnerable. And there's something about doing abs when you're pregnant. They can really make you feel strong, but it can also make you feel a little vulnerable. Um, 
All that is to say is if you had a practice of lit, you can continue it. If your doctor doesn't give you any um, reason, any contraindications, to the degree that feels great for you, what no matter amount of abdominal work you're doing, nothing is going to push out that baby from <laughs> being implanted. Um, you know, well, if if something was going to release that Im- implanted um, embryo, it's it's not going to be abdominals. So let me reassure you of that. But you have to do what feels right for you. If you have any fear or um, anxiety that's produced by doing something that you don't know, like what's going on, don't worry about it. First trimester, my gosh, all bets are off. I felt terrible in my first trimester with my daughter. I wouldn't have done anything <laughs> I would, except sit on the couch. I was just trying to get through the day at my PT clinic and not be nauseous all day. So I think it's um, it's always, it depends. Or if you feel great and you don't have any restriction and you've been doing lit, there's no problem. It's really when you get to having more mass there that's gonna um, you're going to have to modify. Do you have any other comments about that? No, I agree with you there. First trimester, we typically don't have the mass that we're worried about. Because when you start hitting that second trimester, we're worried about the round ligament, the linea alba. We're worried about what damage we might do later on, you know, to that uh, that that core abdominal wall. So, you know, we really start to lean away from some of the abdominal work. That doesn't mean you're not working core. We can do modify, you know, do stuff in quadruped because our core member is not just our abdominal wall. So the beauty of lit is nothing is written in stone and we can always adapt. And so we've got great pre um, pre and postnatal series on the lit daily that you can check out as a, as a nice way to kind of work your way through your pregnancy. And then just like what Laura said, listen to your body. You're going to know when that you know, when, when that, when that flexion, that, that engagement of the, the abdominals starts to feel uncomfortable, your body will tell you like, Oh, I, I just had, um, one of our lit teachers is, is, uh, pregnant, um, over in, over in Europe. And, uh, she was said, you know, said to me, Hey, you know, I started to feel this, this, un, this discomfort right below. And I was like, that, that was your body telling you it's, it's time to stop. It's, and, and she already had, because I noticed her during our prime class and she, and she, that she, she wasn't doing the abdominals. And I was like, good for you. You know, like you're, mm-hmm. you're listening to your body. So, but first trimester, usually we're not dealing with that, with that weight there. So it's more of just a, how do you feel by other, uh, the, all the other stuff. Yeah. The fatigue and yeah, everything that it sets in. Yeah. And I think it's also um, important to realize to your point about the round ligament and other things is ultimately we're trying to also do what's best for our body, not just the baby. Um, It's kind of like nutrition. I mean, the baby is going to take everything. um, And so we often have to worry about like, is stuff left over for us? Same with movement. Uh, The baby's probably going to be okay. I mean, clearly there are people who do all kinds of stuff, you know, they're running marathons or all that. It's less about the baby and more about like, what is this doing for your body? And so that's where you want to start really being gentle on yourself. You can still have a strong practice, but you want to think about the sustainability afterwards that you're not overstretching ligaments, um, that you're not creating a lot, any imbalances as your body definitely starts to, to shift to accommodate the growing baby. Well, these are wonderful questions. As always, keep sending them our way. You can uh, direct message me at laura.hyman or Kristen at... KB Williams 99. Yeehaw. As you can always, also write so us fun. at support at lityoga.com. Yes, indeed. And as you know, I'll let you say our ending line. We're pulling for you. 
Yes, we are. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.